everyone, you are listening to Casual Wednesdays with Doom Rocket, your one-stop shop for comics, talk, and such. I'm Jared Jones. I am MJ Kramer. This week, we're still excited for Halloween 2021, but in our hearts, we're already in 2022, ready to read all these ding-dang DC comic books. Oh my god, it's been ridiculous lately. I know, right? The DC Comics January 2022 solicitations are around the corner, and there's just so much, MJ. I know! Mark Wade is inching ever closer to a full-on DC series. Dick Grayson's got a new costume, sorta? A new slash old slash new costume. It's not really new. <laughs> anyway, uh, Teeny Howard is a full-fledged Catwoman writer now. Yeah, she is. And it's an exciting time to be a DC fan, just like the two of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All this plus our top five most anticipated issues of the week. And just to balance out this week's episode, we answer a Fantastic Four-related listener question and ask a Marvel question of our own. Could Spider-Man be a killer? Uh, I know. Is it out of nowhere? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Hey, guess what? It's time for yet another Casual Wednesdays. Hello, MJ. Hi, Jared. It's not a signal. It's a warning. (laughs) I'm doing Christian Bale on top of the Robert Pattinson. Okay. We got a new trailer for The Batman coming out this week, and Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I'm angry. I don't get to talk about it on this podcast until next week. Should we do a DC Fandom special? We would if we had time for it. I work all weekend. (laughs) When are we doing an episode? Well, when you get home at like 11.30, we can just pop the mics in. You mean after working 12 hours? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, come on. (laughs) I don't think so. We'll do a full DC fandom recap thing next week. Mm -hmm. But until then, here we are. We got a lot of DC stuff to talk about this week for sure. We really do. That's right. It's going to be a quick episode this week. I've been very busy this week. I had not one but two AV Club recaps for Stargirl and Legends of Tomorrow. Very exciting, Jared. Not everyone gets treated to having it read to them by the writer, so I enjoyed it. That's true. (laughs) I don't always read my reviews to MJ, just so you know. Just sometimes. All right, MJ, before we get started with all this daunting DC... Delectability? uh, I don't know. Something alliterative. (laughs) We got some quick house cleaning to go through Mm -hmm. real fast. New listener questions. We have not gotten any new listener questions in about a couple of weeks now, MJ. Uh Oh. I know. I chalked that up to not having an episode last week. Possibly. And then not doing a listener question the week before during the solicits episode. It's our fault, really. We're not very good podcasters, but we try. <laughs> so if you got a question you'd like to ask MJ and us, hit us up, info at doomrocket.com, Cashweds Podcast on Twitter, use that hashtag, AskCashWeds. Helps me keep track of all those questions. Also, we're looking for new listener reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten many of those lately. So let's say you got some spare time this week and you're sitting on the couch and you're not really thinking of much, but all of a sudden we pop into your head. If that happens for some weird reason, <laughs> even though we don't know each other, you should be like, I'm using this opportunity to head over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star review. I'm going to say something nice and or constructive to MJ and Jared via Apple Podcasts. It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, it can just be like a sentence or two. It helps us out. You have no idea how much it actually helps a podcast to leave a review. Mm-hmm. It makes it easier for other people to find us. And isn't that the point? Well, I think the point is just to enjoy listening to us mostly. So yeah, listener questions, Apple Podcasts, you know the drill. At this point, for all those people who are new to our podcast, this is the point where we pivot towards the news section of the episode. And like we said at the top, this is pretty much all DC this week. Well, we just received word of like all of the debuts that are coming from DC in January today. And there's so many good ones. We just kind of have to mention most of them. (laughs) It's wild. They're all coming out in January. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder why it worked out that way. I don't know, but I'm okay with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Very okay with it. It'll it'll be something to brighten up those gray January days. It's true. It's true. So, MJ, really quick, 
let's just talk about the Nightwing costume and get that out of the way. Okay. I, that's the first thing I wanted to talk about. All right. Because, because Bruno Redondo, the current illustrator on Nightwing, who is terrific, you should go follow him on Instagram and Twitter. He always posts new art and little teases about stuff that he's working on. Yeah. And you want to see his art. If you're reading Nightwing even a little bit, you want to see more of Bruno Redondo's yeah, art. exactly. So he's been teasing on Twitter for the last couple of days that something exciting for Nightwing is coming in January, and DC went ahead and gave him the go-ahead to share a brand new costume. He was like, I'm sharing a new costume today. Get excited. And I got excited. Mm-hmm. I went ahead and dug up some old images of Dick Grayson as he looked in the 80s and the 90s, you know, with the yellow and the light blue uh-huh. and, the, and the whatnot. The collar? Like, Did you get the collar? I'm ready for a comeback. <laughs> I may have pushed a little too hard in the wrong direction because we did get a new costume. Mm-hmm. He did reveal it today, being Thursday, and it looks exactly like every Nightwing costume he's ever had since Brian Stelfreeze got his hands on him way back in 1997, I think. It hasn't been the same, same. It's True. changed slightly. And if you recall, during the New 52, he had the red instead of the blue. That's true. But we don't talk about the New 52 anymore <laughs> for deliberate reasons. And besides, that costume, plus or minus a couple of shiny armaments that Coley Hamner applied to the costume when mm-hmm. he redesigned it for the New 52, it's ostensibly the same costume, just red. But red. Okay. But one of the cool things that Bruno Redondo has brought back that was from that old Stealth Freeze design was the little fingy thingies. Yeah, the blue stripe going all the way down his arms, all the way to his middle two fingers. That is a Brian Stealth Freeze flourish. But the best thing about releasing this new design was that they put on the image, those things are back. They didn't. He did. <laughs> Redondo did it. The fingy yeah, things. It's pretty funny. <laughs> So the new costume is ostensibly the same since Rebirth. We no longer have that blue swoosh going across his calves that he had. That oh, okay. I don't know why they put there because it looked terrible. See, you notice all of this stuff so much mm-hmm. more often than me. Well, I stare at Nightwing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those blue swooshes on his legs, they reminded me of that blue Aquaman costume from like the late 80s yeah, that yeah, no yeah, one yeah. ever talks about anymore, which may actually pop up in the new Aquaman movie, yeah, weirdly no, enough. They show that it, yeah, they show yeah. that it was going to. I never liked those swooshes. I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> and, of course, the Nightwing shield on his chest. It still has the bird's head, which I think was a Bruce Timm innovation oh. from the animated series. Okay. Yeah. Mask is pretty much the same. I am sad to see we're not seeing a return to the ponytail. Well, he's a billionaire now, MJ. It wouldn't do for him to have a ponytail. That's a little too insufferable, even for Dick Grayson. Whatever. Trevor. Whatever. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He has blue highlights in his palms, and he has blue highlights in his heels, and that's pretty much it. That's the new Nightwing costume, same as it ever was, to a degree. Subtlety, MJ. Fingy thingies. Well, the point is is that I like it, but I would have liked it the way it was, blue swooshes on the legs notwithstanding. I like it, too. All right. So we're in agreement. We like it. Yeah. High five. Can't reach you from (laughs) All right, MJ. What do you want to talk about next? What other DC stuff... Do you want to get off your chest? Well, I guess since all of these news items are baddie related in some sort of way, we can just go to the Catwoman news that we got today. All right. I'm so excited. Teeny Howard is going to be writing Catwoman. I think we spoke before about the fact that Teeny's uh, exclusive contract had expired at Marvel. That's true. And so we speculated maybe we'd be seeing her back at DC at some point, and now we are! We are. They also announced that she was doing a short story for some anthology somewhere. I think we read about it in a solicits episode. That's right, yeah, yeah. Completely forgot what it was. 
But I do remember uh, speculating at the time that if she's writing a short story for DC, this is just a precursor to something bigger. It has to be. Nobody just walks into DC, does one little tiny thing and says, okay, I'm done. That's enough. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to play with the best superheroes in all the universe. No, thanks. Best superheroes is very subjective. I guess. <laughs> if you say so. But she is going to be joined with Nico Leone on yeah. the art duties. Nico Leone is awesome. Mm-hmm. Also recently over at Marvel as well. We're going to be getting Jordi Belair on colors too. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, this is going to look gorgeous. Editors are going to be Jess Chen and Jessica Burby. I am really, really excited. Not that I'm... Happy that Rom V is going, because we, we're a very pro-Rom V house yes. in here. Rom V and Fernando Blanco are the present creative team on Catwoman, and they've been doing a bang-up job. Mm-hmm. I've actually really been enjoying it, but Rom V's got a lot of pots and a lot of fires. I'm sure Teeny does, too, yeah. this being one of them, of course. Mm-hmm. Rom for Teeny, I'll take it. It's just funny, because Rom V's moving over there to be co-writing Venom, and yeah. now Teeny's coming over to co-write Catwoman. I like non-exclusivity it makes things more interesting you know it's like when people get locked into a publisher i start to get nervous yeah the good thing about an artist being on an exclusive contract is that they're guaranteed a certain amount of work every month they're getting their health insurance so i mean it is a plus for artists to be on contract that way but i have a feeling that they get sick of working in the same universe for so long and once they get the chance to change it up, I'm sure they, they leap at it. We've got some quick details about the plot concerning Teeny's new run. I'm quoting from a piece from Newsarama here. Quote, Now relocated to Gotham City, Catwoman will dive headfirst back into the Gotham underworld and sneak into one of the most secure underground clubs in the city to steal what DC calls blackmail material. What expert cat burglary skills will she use? A disguise studded out with five-inch platform heels, possibly similar to the one seen on this Catwoman 39 cover. End quote. MJ, Catwoman taking on the Gotham mob. Sounds familiar. Sounds evocative of the Genevieve Valentine run, Mm -hmm. if you'll recall that. And also Catwoman went in Rome. That's right. That's right. Do you think these heels are going to stay a part of the new Catwoman costume? (laughs) I don't know, but those are some wild heels. That's a Jeff Decal cover, by the way. Yeah, they show us three covers. One one of them is the Decal. One of them is the Frizen. One of them is by an artist I hadn't heard of, Sozo Micah. Yeah, I'm not familiar, but... The cover is amazing. The art on this cover reminds me vaguely of Gillen March. A little bit. Although, whoever Sozomeka is, they have a mastery of recapturing Michelle Pfeiffer's face, because that's clearly Michelle Pfeiffer. A hundred percent. Yeah. In the new costume, of course. Yeah. But it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous variant. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no info on whether or not that's going to be like an incentive one or an orderable one. Hopefully, it's orderable. Hopefully. Yes, we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats to Teeny. Congrats to Nico Leone. Concats. Concats to everybody. That's right. That's right. Very exciting stuff. We haven't seen Teeny write for DC really since like young animal days, right? Yeah. And even then she was doing backups. If I recall correctly. Yeah. yeah. She hasn't really dived into a DC, a full-fledged DC work yet. I'm very excited to check this out. She's going to be sinking her claws into Catwoman. It's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nicely done. Thank Nicely you. Nicely done. And speaking of writers that are inching their way back into DC Comics, or in this case, returning, yeah, a full-on return, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, we don't know yet, burying the Lee Jones, I'm talking about Mark Wade coming back to DC Comics after God knows how long, responsible for some of the best post-crisis superhero runs that DC ever published, up to and including The Flash. JLA Tower of Babel. That's right. Did a pretty cool JLA run after Grant Morrison left. Mm-hmm. Also, Mark Waite is responsible for writing Kingdom Come, one of my personal favorite DC stories mm-hmm. of all time. Do not at me. 
Also one of the co-writers of the original Weekly 52 series that was awesome, awesome, awesome. That's right. That's right. Also an editor for DC for a while before he started writing yeah, full yeah. time. Yeah. His legacy with DC is storied, and yet he hasn't written for DC for a very long time, at least as long as Dan DiDio has been in charge mm-hmm. of things. And now that Dan DiDio is no longer at the company... Mark Waite's been slowly inching his way back into writing for the company once more. We've had a couple little short stories, and then there's this rumored project with Brian Hitch that's supposed to be a Superman story. Right, right, right. Yeah. I just remembered that. Yeah, because Brian you Hitch, said it. Brian Hitch, like, <laughs> talked about it, and he didn't seem like he was necessarily supposed to on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> just <yeah>. funny. <laughs> but if anyone can get away with that, it would be Brian Hitch. Yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian Hitch doesn't care. He's fine. Mark Wade, right now... This minute, the reason why we're talking about him is because he's going to be writing a backup story in Detective Comics number 1050. We're already at 1050, my God. And he's going to be working alongside detective artist Dan Mora. Yeah. Now, this is a Batman story that teams him up with Superman, and this is tentatively titled World's Finest, or at least we think it is. It's what it says on the character sheet that DC released to the press, but the name of it has not been released Mm -hmm. as yet Mm -hmm. but in this character sheet we have models for superman and batman and they look very classic very classic batman's got the grays and the blues the yellow oval be Mm -hmm. still my heart superman looks like well the john burns superman frankly smiling and showing all those teeth showing off his schwarzenegger physique (laughs) that's how burn used to draw him Very excited to check this out. MJ, what are the details about this story? What do we know? So this is going to be a backup in Detective Comics number 1050, which is going to be coming out on January 25th of 2022. And it's actually the second of two backups that are going to be in that same issue, which is wild. The other one's going to be written by Matt Rosenberg with art by Fernando Blanco. Uh, And this is going to be assumedly starting a new little series of backups making up a story that are going to be written by Mark Wade with art by Dan Mora. But we don't know that yet. All we know is that at the end of January, we've got a Mark Wade story drawn by Dan Moore in the backup of Detective Comics 1050. I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's all I need to know. But if you're reading Detective Comics, while, yes, get very excited that you're getting this Wade Mora content, you're also going to be getting four <laughs> issues of Detective in January. Oh, it's going weekly in January. Oh, goodness. This is a trend I don't like, MJ. Yeah. And while we don't know the future of this little storyline here, we can maybe surmise that this is going to end up being spun out into a miniseries of some sort, the same way that the Robin backups that were written by Josh Williamson and drawn by Gleb Melnikov ended up being spun out into their own Robin ongoing. Well, this is exciting either way. If it's a one-off, I'm good. Mm -hmm. It gives me an incentive to buy Detective Comics 1050, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is going to be at least 10 bucks. It's definitely going to be some kind of oversized anniversary thing. We will crunch the numbers on Detective Comics in January of 2022 during our January 2022 solicitations episode at the end of the month. Man, 2022, that's hard to say. It is. It is. We've got to get used to saying it, don't we? At least for one year. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, MJ, I think that's all the DC news that's fit to print, at least for this episode. Mm-hmm. More to come? Of course. Of course. But in the meantime, I think it's time for the top five. It is. All right. All right, this week, you've got the three, I've got the two. We took a week off, so this threw me off. Hmm. I should have the three this week anyway. MJ, kick off this week's top five, please. Well, right in our little DC wave here, I'm going to have my first pick be Batman 89, number three. I, think, I second this recommendation. I think you have put the other issues of Batman 89 
as your top five picks. I have. And I'm taking number three. It's so good. We've been getting more and more of the Billy D. Williams version of Harvey Dent. It's really good, too. Possibly finding his final form. And <laughs> it's... Forms, MJ. Forms. Yes, yes, forms. <laughs> and I've just been so impressed by this book, thinking it was just going to be, oh, you know, it'll be cute and fun, Batman 1989. And it's not. It's really been a very challenging, good, gorgeously drawn read. It goes deep and it goes hard, MJ. Yeah, it's been really getting into some social issues. I, oh, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Batman 89, number three, is my first pick of the week. What's your first pick, Jared? My first pick begins with an outside the top five recommendation, because we only have five. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to throw this in as well. No one left to fight two number one from Dark Horse Comics written by Aubrey Citizen illustrated by Fico Osio colored by Raciel Avila and lettered by Taylor Esposito No One Left to Fight one was a whole heck of a lot of fun magenta colored mayhem and now it's back for even more fighter family drama MJ it's really good you should check it out but my pick this week is Dead Box number two from Vault This is one of the new horror series from Vault's Nightfall Horror Comics line, Mm -hmm. which is really awesome that they have a horror comics line. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure DC's ripping them off at this point. (laughs) But Dead Box unites the creative team, Mark Russell, artist Benjamin Tizma, colorist Vladimir Popov, and letterer and world design. Dead Box is exactly what it sounds like, a haunted red box. But it's not a red box. It may come from a different world. Okay, And it infiltrates people's lives and affects them. And it's really weird, but it's actually kind of affecting, at least the first issue was. Less funny than typical Mark Russell, but full of ideas like a good Mark Russell ought to be. Deadbox number two out this week. MJ, what is next for you? My next pick is a comic that we have been waiting for for four years about. This is, of course, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina number nine. That's right. That's right. Yes, it was first supposed to come out in 2017. It has been very, very much delayed. Mm-hmm. Finally out. Um, it has been so long, in fact, that there is a big first page recap, like more info than you typically get in your u- usual Marvel recap page. Right. It's very detailed because I forgot pretty much everything going on in this comic. Like four or five years since that book came out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is such a treat to get back into this world. It's a very, you know, scary and sleazy and gross kind of world, but oh, such a good read. And it's perfect, of course, for the season. And it is, of course, written by Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa with art by Robert Hack and letters by Jack Morelli. That is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina number nine. Finally here. What's your last pick of the week? That's history right there. Mm -hmm. My last pick and our penultimate pick for this week's top five is Batman the Imposter number one from DC's Black Label. This unites Andrea Sorrentino, Jordi Belair, and Steve Wands with a new comics writer to the comics block, mm-hmm. Matson Tomlin. And if you're wondering why that name sounds familiar, Matson is a co-writer for the upcoming The Batman film. Mm-hmm. Now, is this a corporate-minded tie-in searching for meaning? Or is this a gritty, avant-garde Batman story? I'll leave that up to you. I read it. I am on the fence about this book. I think that it reads kind of like a screenplay. Definitely. But the art is freaking spectacular. It's Andrea Sorrentino, man. He's amazing. The layouts remind me of what John Paul Leon was doing in Creature of the Night. In fact, the story kind of reminds me of Creature of the Night. Mm, This is kind of like a less subtle Creature of the Night is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) It's pretty violent. Batman the Imposter gets a mild recommendation from me, but I wanted to talk about it a little bit this week. MJ, close it out. What's your last pick for this week's top five? My last pick is Iron Man number 13. I just caught myself up on this series, and I love it. I've talked before on the podcast how I don't necessarily like Tony Stark a lot. You sure don't. So to like an Iron Man ongoing this much? Munch. (laughs) This much. 
<laughs> to like an Iron Man ongoing this much. Munch. <laughs> is quite a feat. I can only thank Christopher Cantwell, the writer, and the artist Cafu, colorist Frank Dermata, and letterer Joe Caramagna for making me like a Tony Stark book. That's a hats off to them for real. Yeah. Because you don't have time for his shit yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just such a fun book. Uh, right now they're up in space. Tony and a little team that he put together, and he's sort of calling them space friends now, apparently. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he's also maybe possibly back on the attic train. Oh, no. Yeah. What do you mean? Booze? No, actually. Space booze? S- something else. Oh, I, no. I don't want to give it away. All right. But it's just really good. Okay. Yeah. I highly, highly recommend the current ongoing Iron Man comic and issue number 13 out this week. That's right. And that closes out this week's top five most anticipated issues of the week. Every week, we field a question from one of you. Our listeners hit us up, info at doomrocket.com, Cashweds Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. This week, Pete Stathis via Cashweds Podcast asked, the Fantastic Four needs a new origin story. Now that any schmuck in a cowboy hat can launch himself <laughs> into space, an experimental spaceship story is no longer fantastic. Mm. <laughs> what experimental activity should the upcoming FF film replace it with? Hashtag AskCashWeds. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Thanks for the question. It's a really interesting one, and thank you for using that hashtag. Especially this week, what with the recent space trip that Mr. William Shatner took with three other people. I don't know how I feel about William Shatner going into space, (laughs) frankly, to tell you the truth, but yeah, sure, that happened. Any asshole can go to space now on account of them having a lot of money and their friends have like a a rocket ship Mm -hmm. that they could send people to, like... My buddy Richard Branson or Elon Musk. They're not my friends. Right. I'm speaking like if I were a jerk with money. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Pete's onto something there. It does feel a little less special now that they're trying to commercialize space travel. Yeah. Even though the furthest we can actually go is like the outer stratosphere, which is technically out. Of- anyway. Mm-hmm. I wonder, if you were to change the Fantastic Four origin story, wouldn't you be removing a little bit of that pioneering, intrepid spirit that the Fantastic Four are known for? I mean, more than superheroes, MJ. Yeah. They're explorers. I know. Explorers of space and time and and beyond, MJ. And it makes me wonder, because we all know that Marvel Studios is currently in pre-production for a new Fantastic Four movie, Mm -hmm. and whatever shape that takes, I'm pretty sure the origin's probably going to hew to the same. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not going to remove that aspect of the Fantastic Four for their first Fantastic Four movie. I mean, why would they? It's too iconic. And honestly, if you stick to it nowadays, since we do have randos going into space, it makes it kind of more believable and that it, it's a thing that people could do. Because it was a little bit more wild in the 60s to be like, oh, yeah, these four Yahoos just built a spaceship and went into space. And let's not forget, Pete, that they did change the Fantastic Four origin story in the last Fantastic Four movie. Instead of going to space, they went into, I'm guessing that was supposed to be the negative zone. Yeah, it was the negative zone. Oh, yeah. Did they actually say negative zone? It I doesn't matter. Think they did, didn't they? It's barely a movie. But the point is, is that they did change the origin. They didn't even include Sue in their exploration, which <laughs> is right. really fucked up when That's you think right. about it. So, no, I don't think they do need a new origin story necessarily. In my mind, I think that the Fantastic Four should be characters set in the 60s, specifically 1963. And then they time travel to present day, and then they're like, whoa, what are we doing here? Everything's crazy, but we're really smart and we'll acclimate well. They're not going to do it that way. 
but they should because that intrepid pioneering can-do frontiersman spirit that sent us to the moon in the first place and started the space race in the first place mm-hmm. and it was the impetus behind the Fantastic Four in the first place was there. Mm-hmm. What do you think, MJ? Yeah, I don't think they could remove the space aspect from right. their origin. It would just... I, I just can't imagine it. Like, they need that cosmic element. Because a big part of the Fantastic Four is going out there. It's so much of their story. Yeah, and then bringing cosmic level threats to Earth inadvertently. Yes. Yeah, of Thanks, course. Thanks, Reed. Of course. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the core of drama, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there'd be no story. Yeah. So, yeah, I think space definitely needs to be a part of the Fantastic Four's origin story. What stinks is that Marvel doesn't get to take a crack at them until now. Yeah. Because it could have been the Fantastic Four that introduced cosmic... Marvel Universe to the Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of, you know, just jumping headfirst into Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, thanks, Fox. I guess technically Thor did it first. (laughs) True, true. That's not really the point. I don't know, Pete. I really can't say. Changing the Fantastic Four's origin sounds like a bad idea to me. And especially for a brand new Fantastic Four movie that's going to be introducing, hopefully, in a proper and respectful way, to a whole new generation, you want to get as much of the core of these characters right as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Disney and Marvel kind of shit the bed with Spider-Man, but, you know, that's a different story altogether. I don't think they're going to do it again with the Fantastic Four, despite the fact that John Watts, who who has directed all the Spider-Man movies, is directing Fantastic Four. I'm not worried about that. But we all know the directors don't necessarily have the power over the film that they right. would have in other... Unless you're James Gunn. Right. Or the Russos. Right. Right. So are we a no on the change of the origin, MJ? I mean, they'll have to tweak it slightly. It's not going to be that they're going up in some homemade spaceship. Oh, God, I really hope this isn't a thing where we see, like, Elon Musk again or Richard Branson in an MCU movie where it's like they're just tourists and then they blunder their way into some cosmic rays and they have to figure things out even though we're not really all that smart. I guess we need to have some smart friends. No, they wouldn't do that. Uh, don't say that. They wouldn't do that. You you don't know that. <laughs> I would like to believe they won't do that. But mm. I, I just, I'm curious if it is going to be some sort of space mission, how they're going to have it be so that the crew is made up of a pair of siblings and also a, a, a couple. That's just going to be weird because I don't think they would do that on a real space mission. Also a friend. They're siblings, a couple, and a friend. Well, of course they That's would. That's the dichotomy of the four. It's not weird to think that they would be friends with each other. Right. That's normal. Yeah. But having like a couple and siblings on the same mission, that would just be weird. Not necessarily. This is a Disney movie, MJ. It's about family, and that's what makes it powerful. I know, but it just make it... Well, I want them to be like straight-up scientists. Okay. Okay? I don't want this to be some fly-by-night operation. Understood. <laughs> All right. Well, Pete, I hope we answered your question for you. We do have a tendency to ramble. If you have a question for Casual Wednesdays, hit us up, info at doommarket.com. That's our email. Or you can head over to our Casual Wednesdays Twitter account, at Podcast. Use the hashtag, AskCashWeds, and give us a follow while you're there. Why don't you? All right, MJ, we're in the back matter. We are. So I'm flipping through Wizard issue number 40 right now in preparation to a future episode because this is a Halloween issue of Wizard. And of course, Halloween is upon us. True. So I was flipping through it and getting some information down and I came across this issue's magic words, which is the letters column for Wizard Magazine. That's right. And there was a big debate that was going through here, which I recall reading when I was a kid when this came out (laughs) back in December 1994, which is technically October 1994 because... We all know that magazines put publishing dates two months in advance because et cetera, et cetera. And right around the time this magazine was published, Marvel had just wrapped up the Maximum Carnage storyline. It was a 14-issue 
crossover that brought Venom and Spider-Man together and a whole bunch of other heroes like Death Watch. <laughs> you remember Death Watch, MJ? No, not at all. It's probably for the best. <laughs> Against Carnage. I haven't read Maximum Carnage in a very long time. But at the end, Maximum Carnage is defeated and then locked up again in Ravencroft. Pretty standard, right? Mm -hmm. Well, some people got really annoyed at that and thought that Carnage is such a lethal foe that Spider-Man had an obligation to humanity because this is a serial killer armed with an alien symbiote to kill Cletus Cassidy, to kill Carnage. And so the debate raged in Magic Words, MJ, in this issue, should Spider-Man kill? And I've got a couple of letters here I wanted to read to you really okay. quick if I could. I've got one here from Larry Schultz from Springfield, New York, who says, Dear Wizard, current events influence fantasy. This is an irrefutable fact. All throughout history, people have wanted stories about things they couldn't do in reality. Given the average news report today, it's no wonder that the tough guy, take no prisoners hero, has become so popular. Take Maximum Carnage, for example, where Spidey let Carnage escape rather than killing him. Could you imagine what the public reaction would have been if John Wayne Gacy had been sentenced to five years in a mental institution instead of being given the death penalty? Not that Spidey should become the Spidisher. Oh, nice. Spidisher. Uh, <laughs> but I believe that the next time Spidey sees another Carnage Aftermath, he should at least question his beliefs. After all, if an everyday Joe saw something bad that could have been prevented, but if preventing it conflicted with his beliefs, he would question those beliefs. Signed, Larry. So how wrong is Larry, MJ? Well, first of all, <laughs> it's fiction. Yeah. And what's, to me, what I like better than seeing, like, fantasies realized and fantasies of, like, apparently killing bad guys, I would rather see an idealistic hero that sticks to their guns yeah. and their morals. Like, That's kind of the point of superheroes, yeah. I thought. I, anyway. And I don't like how he conflated John Wayne Gacy to Carnage, a fictional character. Uh-huh. It's not even <laughs> equitable At a all. comparison. It's like they're both serial killers. Well, one's not real, dude. Mm -hmm. And so it really frustrates me when people are like, superhero comics shouldn't be political and then they throw shit like this at you yeah you know what i mean it's like everyone who's throwing a pissy fit that john kent's now a bisexual it's like this affects you how mm -hmm. will the comics continue to be good tom taylor's writing them mm -hmm. it doesn't affect you then shut the fuck up mm -hmm. can you shut the fuck up about it so that's kind of what this reminded me of well it's like make it more real world make make it more gritty wait no not with putting in bisexual people that's no. that's too real world that's a no. bridge too far no. You can't do that. No, the Punisher is realistic, but a boy who kisses a boy and a girl? I don't think so. No, that's too far. So anyway, the whole concept of Spider-Man being a killer, it was like kicking around in my brain because wasn't that ostensibly what Venom was aiming to become? Like the anti-Spider-Man, like a Spider-Man, but a killer? And even when he became an anti-hero, he still had that qualifier, the lethal protector. And it took a really long time for Marvel to get him to stop killing people. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the Venom movies. I'm he, he talks about biting people's heads off all the time. Does he do it? Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. I ain't seen him either. You know, I'm I not haven't seen him. Those movies, <laughs> but the whole concept of having a Spider-Man that would kill really defeats the purpose of having a Spider-Man because his whole thing is with great power comes great responsibility. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like having the Fantastic Four not go to space. You know what I mean? It kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose of what they are. It's a core tenet of his beliefs. If he crosses that line. And he's no better than the people he's punching out because he is technically an outlaw, or at least as far as J. Jonah Jameson's concerned yeah, and yeah. No, he's the an NYPD, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not complicated. If you have Spider-Man kill, you stop having Spider-Man comics. That's pretty much the day he hangs up his webs. And talking about complication, like 
you want to have that drama in the story. You want the complication there of having Spider-Man maybe feel bad, like, oh, I, I let Carnage go and now he's murdered again. So, I mean, there is that conflict there, but also he's a good guy and he did not murder the bad guy. I just prefer that. And it, and it makes for good drama and it makes for good angst for old Peter. Right. Now, I'm not saying that Maximum Carnage was written well, because it fucking wasn't. I mean, it ends with Venom and Spider-Man punching Carnage until they don't anymore. Punching. 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 I think it happened in Spider-Man Unlimited number two. Punching happens a lot. It sure does, MJ. It's not very creative. (laughs) Which, you know, I think it's pretty clear cut when you say Spider-Man's not going to cross that line. If he didn't with Venom, he's not with Carnage. And he's not going to the next time Green Goblin rolls around, or anybody else for that matter. That's why when the Punisher shows up every once in a while into a Spider-Man comic, there's drama there. Because Spider-Man will not agree with Frank Castle's methods, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, If you like Punisher comics, read Punisher comics. But don't foist the Punisher's ideals, or lack thereof, onto Spider-Man. Because there's at least 60 years worth of story that have contradicted those beliefs. Anyway, Mm -hmm. anything you want to add before we wrap up this episode? No, but I enjoyed our continuation of a 27-year-old debate. Well, I thought it was really interesting. And I don't really want to dwell on it for our wizard flip-through episode because there's a lot of good horror stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So I figured we'd put it in the back matter and have a conversation. Since it was so front-loaded with DC stuff, we'd backload with Marvel. It was a good balance, I think. That's right. And right at the center, there's a Dark Horse comic called No One Left to Fight 2, number one. (laughs) Bringing it back around, MJ. Yeah. And that's it. That's all the time we have for this week's Casual Wednesdays. All new episodes can be found on any good podcatcher. But if you need more of this dweeby, that's dweeby, by the way, and I do say it correctly, dweeby little podcast in your life, you can check out our episode archive via doomrocket.com. I got called out on Twitter for not saying it correct. (laughs) Rate, follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do, or tell us how we're doing with a review on Apple Podcasts. And while you're at it, look us up on Twitter at Podcast. I'm at Jared Jones underscore MJ. Where can they find you? At Molly Jane underscore K. So until the day John Kent gives the Punisher a big wet kiss, I remain Jared. That's MJ over there. From all of us here at DoomRocket.com, have a great new comic book day. (laughs) And a really wild plot twist would be the Punisher liked it. (laughs) 